Hey folks, welcome to uh, episode 126 of the podcast. Uh, I'd hope to do an extra episode for this fall season, but I am finding that the uh, obligations of uh, parenting that have greatly increased in the last while for me, along with the demands and struggles of keeping a retail store open during the ongoing COVID struggles, are taking more of my time and attention and it's just got to come from somewhere. And the podcast is the one of the things that can come off of my schedule. Uh, I've really enjoyed all of these conversations uh, and I'm feeling called towards uh, doing something new, something that will maybe be a little more artsy and magically orientated. Um, you know, but I'm going to let that gestate and really focus on the practical side of things for the time being. Uh, I hope that you have enjoyed these episodes. It's kind of hard to believe it's been 10 years, uh, almost 11 years really now. Uh, And it's kind of nice to wrap up with one of the first people who was on the podcast when I started out so long ago, uh, today's episode with Lon Milo Duquette. So stay tuned for what's next. Thank you to everybody who's been a part of it. And it is a real pleasure. I will, of course, leave these episodes up. Uh, And I hope that people will continue to uh, share them, enjoy them, and get something from them. And, uh, yeah, stay tuned for what's next. Welcome to another episode of the Hermit's Land podcast. I am here uh, with Lon Milo Duquette. I looked back uh, as Lon was one of my first series of guests. Uh, the podcast started in 2011, and I started the podcast with the question, why do some people change and why do other people not change? And I thought, why not go ask a bunch of people who had been out trying to help people change themselves uh, you know, that question and see where it went. And, um, you know, so it's been, been quite a while since I caught up with Lon here. And I really thought that, you know, uh, number one, they continue to be active and do all sorts of great stuff on the internet and so on. Uh, and, and I thought, let's just catch up and see, but maybe for some people, this is their introduction, sorry, their introduction to you, Lon. Um, who are you? What are, what are you, what are you, what are you up to? What are you about? The older I get, the less I know the answer to that, or can even guess. Uh, I'm just uh, uh, an aging hippie, uh, but uh, I'm 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 a writer and uh, 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 a songwriter and a book writer and things like that, and uh, I guess. Uh, you could call me an occultist or a magician, and uh, that's that's just about it. I'm 73 years old and still trying to figure out uh, what I want to be when I grow up. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, at at the moment, I uh, I I write and lecture and, and uh, uh, talk 
to in the world about uh, ceremonial magic and tarot and Kabbalah and thing, uh, things like that. And uh, in the private world, I try to uh, apply at least some of that uh, uh, knowledge and information toward my own uh, uh, spiritual growth, if you want to call it that, or uh, toward my own process of awakening. And uh, and like I say, the older I get, the less I know. <laughs> uh, you know, I think that uh, I know for myself when I first started out, you know, uh, in ceremonial magic and stuff. You know, I mean, I I discovered Crowley, you know, when I was about twelve years old, and I'm like, yeah, this is the stuff, right? And you know, that idea that we are going to discover our true will know what it is and just that's it then we execute it it doesn't quite sound like that's the case right and it's certainly not been my experience of it you know yeah so i'm curious i'm curious to hear what you what you think about that well it, it uh it, it might not be as hard or as complex as as uh, uh we would have ourselves believe mm -hmm. uh, Look at it this way. Uh, an artist, I mean, a, an artist who's really an artist, artist, uh, doesn't really spend too much time thinking about why they're painting or why they're dancing or while, why they're writing music or sculpture. Uh, an artist doesn't spend much time questioning himself or herself why they do what they do, they just got to do it. And they do it. That's more or less uh, what this discovering your will and doing it uh, is about. If you're taking the time constantly to uh, uh, think about every move you make uh, is part of is part of your will, your true will, uh, then then you might already be overthinking it. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, uh, if that's any if that's any help at all, you know, there's uh, uh, I, I kind of compare it to the the you and the consciousness of the your center of consciousness that you have when you're in a dream. Mm -hmm. okay. when you're in a dream it it seems everything seems perfectly natural even if it's bizarre and and uh, and fantastic it seems perfectly natural that uh, uh, these things are happening in the in, in the dream and you really can't project what non-dream consciousness is about okay. mm. you 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 can't uh, you can't theorize in a dream what it, it's like to not be in a dream mm -hmm. you don't spend time on it okay mm -hmm. you're just in the continuum of whatever whatever the situation is or the circumstances in that in that dream but 
it's as simple as waking up into your in the morning into a brand new different kind of uh 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 reality or, or center of consciousness and then you you don't question that either okay so spending too much time speculating on oh as soon as i get my holy guardian angel or as soon as i open up my heart chakra or as soon as i i uh uh I'll be able to do this and I'll be, no, you'll be a different person. That waking up makes you a different person. And that different person still has a whole new set of issues and problems and challenges. Mm. Is, is that making any sense? Absolutely. You? Absolutely. It reminds me a little bit of, um, I think it's, uh, yeah, Lily who said, you know, about belief, right. That, uh, you know, we start out with, I'm going to misquote them because I don't remember the exact quote, but the idea that we start out with this belief and those uh, beliefs are meant to be uh, explored, tested and experienced and changed into our new beliefs, which are then meant to be explored and tested and so on. And that, yeah. that you know, and that as we move forward in our journey of awakening or embodying or whatever we want to think of that thing as it gradually each each shift changes our understanding and perception of the landscape. And yet we still brush our teeth and we still have, you know, various concerns and so on. And it's not, but it's not a destination at which we arrive. It's a process which we continue to live and unfold. Right. Right. You're, you're always, you're always a you. When you're a new you, you don't feel like a new you. You continue to feel like you. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, it's only when we ask ourselves, gee, would I trade places with the, the me that I was five years ago? And you go, hell no, I was a freaking idiot <laughs> five years ago. And now I think, I, you know, I'm a freaking idiot yesterday. So I wouldn't trade places with that either. So the, we're so close to ourselves as being uh, 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 a self-observed uh, uh, center of consciousness that we really don't sense these things. And, uh, you know, you read about the mystical experiences of famous people that, that get their uh, experiences published and stuff. And, uh, you sort of get an idea of what, what they went through, but you're really not getting an, an idea mm -hmm. how it's going to ever apply to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Right. Because what did, you know, what did this person or that person do at this point? And especially, you know, the more historical we start to slide backwards, right. It's like, how do we, how do we even think of what it was, what life was exactly like for, you know, Crowley or other people at that point in history. It's so, you know, devoid of, of, of our, any context for us really now. Right. Unless we're deeply, deeply enmeshed in being a historian and other things as well. And even then it's not lived experience. Right. And every, everyone is unique, profoundly unique. And so we've all fallen asleep in our own particular way. So that means we all have to wake up in our own particular ways. Mm -hmm. 
How have you been finding that that I mean obviously the pandemic we're here, you know, November of 2021 as we're recording. Pandemic's been trucking along for a good while now and so on. Um have you noticed with yourself or with the other people that you spend time with that this has shifted the way that process works for people or has has changed those things? We're all crazier. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's as simple as I can say. We we're all crazier than we were before the pandemic. Uh in a sense, it's it's driven us all into a state of uh monasticism. Hmm. Uh even if uh you know you're a person that tends to uh uh ignore the reality of the of the situation nevertheless you're still affected by the reality of the situation and uh uh this idea that uh uh we have this perpetual background meditation of isolation and uh from a monastic point of view that can be a very valuable tool for uh, personal spiritual development. Uh, but it has created sort of uh, a version of a zombie apocalypse in the outside world that, that we're in. And uh, that has, has changed all of our reality uh, and, uh, and not in a good way. I think mm. so uh for us to stay uh uh sane and evolving uh during this time uh is going to be is going to be a challenge it won't be impossible it it'll be a challenge uh and as far as the totality of human consciousness is concerned this is uh one of those periods of a baptism of fire uh, where uh, it is the prelude to a, probably a dramatic shift of consciousness. And uh, I believe some of us will uh, will thrive and be nourished by that shift of consciousness and uh but probably most of us uh will be undone by it mm. and that might be uh you know part of the characteristic of uh what uh, crowley and others uh saw as a shift of ages mm -hmm. or uh, uh or of aeons and uh from Crowley's point of view, each of those uh, major shifts of consciousness is preceded by uh, uh, what in the short run looks like catastrophic events uh, that sort of need, are necessary to traumatize uh, uh, the overriding consciousness of the of the human race, human consciousness, if you want to call, look at it that way. Uh, 
So, you know, evolution, even physical evolution, biological evolution, is uh, a process of, uh, uh, first of all, resistance. Uh, an organism meets uh, a, a blockage or a, or a resistance or an obstacle to, say, getting nourishment of some kind. And if it doesn't figure out a way to change itself at least enough to overcome that obstacle, uh, it'll die. And uh, those organisms that figure out a way or strengthen certain uh, aspects of their uh, uh, being in order to overcome it, like, like every little step of evolution, mm-hmm. uh, uh, they will be the organism that, that survives. So it, it takes an obstacle, it takes resistance to create the necessity to overcome the resistance mm. and the act of overcoming the existence mutates the organism into an organism that can uh, that that resistance is no longer so it's obstacle overcoming the obstacle mutation to overcome the obstacle and moving on same thing uh, with with human consciousness and brother we've got an obstacle <laughs> yeah yeah right now and we either gotta mutate or we've we've got to just say goodbye to the organism uh both physical and uh spiritual uh or uh we're going to have to say say goodbye to this particular vehicle that we're in Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think it's it's definitely a a colossal colossal challenge on so many levels right and you know the the you started off by saying how how you know we've been sort of forced into being monastic right and i was like i hadn't really thought about it in that way i mean thought about you know the isolation of it certainly right but the fact that you know i've i've done you know isolate like monastic things before i've spent 10 days in the woods by myself you know we've passed like there are things but they've always been chosen right and i think that 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 unchosen element of this change is such a big part of it too right and that's creates so much friction because when you even though even though one never really understands what you're getting into when you make a choice to go on retreat or you know do other kinds of things um there's still a choice there right you know we we, right. we know it versus it being visited upon us as as life has been you know recently and of course you know you compound that with all the other tangents of of social change that's coming to the surface that needs to happen global change you know environmental change and so on right and it very much is a, is this sort of uh trial time for us all right right yeah and it's something we all have in we all have in common and it's just a shame that that uh so many of us uh uh, 
can't wake up to the fact that we're all in the same boat. <laughs> mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. Well, and there's and there's the hippie, right? Yeah. Come on, let's all just come together, folks. We can do it. We can do it if we all come together. Yeah. And, it, you know, and it's and it's still true. But, and, yeah. 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 For sure. Mm -hmm. Has um has has these times or you know um brought about change in your in your own practice you know like magically speaking or meditation or other things like has, have you gone to tools around this stuff uh, uh not not on purpose uh-huh okay i've got uh uh i am so lazy okay i truly am lazy um uh, I'm so lazy that I've had to make my laziness my most redeeming quality. And uh, so uh, I've made no particular decision other than, you know, I'm going to have to do a lot of stuff online. Uh, even my international lectures, okay, for the last 10 years, I've traveled extensively uh in europe and uh, last five years or six years in uh uh in china uh and i'm sort of bringing the western hermetic uh arts uh to a broader to a broader audience and uh, mm -hmm. and i've been lucky and i believe, believe me i didn't set out to do it all of this just sort of dropped in my lap. And uh, uh, I, and so I rolled with the flow because I'm too lazy to resist. And uh, all of that, I've had to translate uh, into a, to online uh, workshops and seminars and such. And I'm just absolutely lucky enough to have uh, 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 friends and colleagues that uh, uh, can set up the technical part of that for me, because I could barely log on to our little thing here, our Zoom here thing today. I, I'm technically challenged. Uh, but uh, uh, that has forced me to think in a in a in a different way hmm. uh, first of all to uh uh think that the ear that is uh hearing my my words uh english isn't their first language mm -hmm. okay so it's caused me to simplify how i right how i communicate things uh so i can deliver the most the the clearest uh the clearest way to to say something you know uh, sort of free from american idioms and and uh uh and i have to deliver things without raising my eyebrow Okay, there, there's so much that, that you uh, uh, 
and I communicate, that is not just the words I'm saying, because I'm not the most uh, eloquent uh, orator in the in the world. I sort of stutter and and um, say and uh a lot, things like that. But you can say things, you can communicate great truths in stupid, awkward words by a, by raising an eyebrow or tweaking, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. that, uh, I had to completely shift gears uh, in order to be able to deliver that to a non-English speaking uh, audience breaking up every sentence of of a phrase where i know the translator is going to have to is going to have to break in and and uh uh translate and keep it has been a real it has been a real challenge but i could actually feel uh my brain cells rearranging themselves mm -hmm. Okay, in order to uh, uh, in order to do that, and then I realize that uh, what started off by me uh, uh, customizing my uh, my message to uh, accommodate the ear that's hearing it out there, it has changed my own ear. Mm. Okay, and my own inner way, and I, you know, I'm starting to think differently uh, uh, myself, and and for me, that's kind of a good thing because uh, I'm such an undisciplined uh, person otherwise that uh, I'm I'm free to uh, and quite content to just blissfully go through my day not properly examining even my own thoughts right if that makes any sense to you sure yeah and and so it's it's been a growth experience uh and a trauma mm -hmm. uh, well it's your your obstacle adaptation right yeah you, you hit that obstacle and you had to adapt to it and yeah yeah mm -hmm. so but anyway i got to remember that everybody uh is going through their own their own dramatic challenges themselves and and uh uh just try the best i can to uh uh you know keep up a a personal uh relationship with with every everybody that uh, I come in contact with from the baristas down at the coffee shop to the uh, uh, my own magical colleagues and things like that mm -hmm. but I can't say that that the pandemic has has changed my pattern of well I used to get up every morning and do a pentagram ritual and not forget that you know uh -huh. uh, you know that that wasn't my routine for the last you know 15 20 years anyway sure um, but to say that my magic hasn't uh uh been altered and amended 
would be a misstatement because it certainly has. And uh, but we'll just see if all of us uh, can survive the the next few years of uh, the the global upheavals. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Do you spend a lot of time thinking about that? Yeah. Yep. It's like uh, I don't know. It's a it's a a strange. Uh, you know, when I was a little kid, I had so many bizarre thoughts when I was a little kid because I I was forced to uh, uh, stay in the crib. I was immobilized because of a bone disease when I was uh, young. So I, I uh, could just lay in my crib and just think about stuff, you know, and I was quite happy to do that. But uh, I uh, toyed with the idea of why am I here at this particular juncture in, sure. in, my, in my reality? And then, of course, uh, you know, I went to school in the, in the 1950s and uh, uh, in the United States, of course, uh, your your teachers all told you how lucky you were to live in the United States. And uh, the ministers said how blessed we are all uh, to live in the United States because there's so much want and unhappiness in, in other parts of the country. And I always kept thinking, why? What? Why am I lucky enough to live in a father-knows-best kind of uh, uh, privileged uh, white middle class. Why? Why, when all of these other people in, in other parts of the world are just, you know, so uh, not so fortunate? And it's always been at the back of my mind when I ask that question to myself that, no, there's a really good reason for this because this is a special time and and uh, you for some reason you've always wanted to live through such a special time mm. okay a- as if i've lived through so many other times that weren't special and were pretty damn dull <laughs> uh-huh okay and grim and and uh no this is this is exciting hey folks i just want to jump in here for a second and remind people that the Hermit's Lamp is also a store. So I have an online store and an in-person store in Toronto that sells over 400 tarot decks, 300 kinds of crystals, and incense, incense holders, candles, oils, and all the magical goodies you might want for whatever spiritual practice you are up to. I think we have great prices on stuff. Everything is sourced to the best of my ability to be authentic. 
and we offer uh, pickup or in-store shopping when it's not COVID in Toronto, and we offer delivery just about anywhere in the world. So do me a favor. Next time you're thinking about stuff, drop by thehermitslamp.com, check it out, see if we've got something you need there, because I always appreciate that support. in uh, grade school the, oh it's really exciting because the russians may bomb us at any minute with big nuclear mm-hmm. okay the world might end any minute this is so exciting you know <laughs> and uh, uh then i'd get excited about uh, the, the fact that i was waking up to what was going on like in in high school uh I was lucky enough to to be able to kind of uh, see through the madness of what was the Vietnam War. I said, mm-hmm. That's bullshit. <laughs> wow, what's this? I'm so lucky to be here and be able to see that that's totally bullshit. And uh, uh, that's kind of how I feel like right now, too. Mm. Here we are there might not be a future for mammals on earth. <laughs> okay. I may, I may be at the, the gutter demerung of, of life as a mammal uh, on the planet. And uh, part of me is to say, yes, how exciting. Where does consciousness go <laughs> when it can't live in a mammal? you know and uh so the the whole the whole thing is i think too big for anybody to wrap their meat brains around mm-hmm. and and the, the best we can we can do is to determine and be comfortably productive in what we we are here to do under these circumstances Mm. and uh, when we start to focus in on what that is then we're getting a glimpse of what our true will is Mm -hmm. then we're getting a, a a glimpse of of the uh the job that our particular facet of consciousness is actually here to function, to fulfill its potentiality to do. And uh, if I am so dense and so stupid that I have to learn that lesson under these circumstances, then I probably damn well deserve it <laughs> yeah uh-huh. I, I deserve it. oh gee can't couldn't i learn this in a, in a 
in a kinder, in a, in a peaceful life, in a peaceful yeah. time, just sitting in a monastery and looking at a flower, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, at, at some point along the way, I, I, some, I was having this kind of conversation with somebody about finding their will. Right. And, and I, I threw out the, the statement, um, only by walking the road can you discover which star is yours. Yeah. You know? And for me, I think that that idea of like, you know, we don't, we don't arrive at it. doesn't download to us, you know, complete whole. And we just enact it. It's this, this showing up and this engaging and this looking at it and being aware of the conditions and working within the scope of what you have. Right. And which, where yeah. you're at and all of those kinds of things. And in that we can discover who we really are. Right. And then we can shed that and discover who we really are again and so on, you know? And yeah, to me, that's that there's like that constant, uh, you know, constant process of staying on the road, you know? So. Mm -hmm. So with each new uh, uh, project that uh, I involve myself in, uh, I truly find out more and more. Uh, and I don't really know, I, and I'm sure everyone is not like this, but I, I don't really know what I know. I don't really believe what I believe mm. uh, until I am forced to try to explain it to somebody else. Yeah. Because I'm too lazy to and too uh indolent mm -hmm. well <laughs> I'm it's indolent to explain it to myself i'm forced to find out what i think by explaining it to somebody else so i i reveal myself to myself by the questions that are asked me yeah and that's i you know i feel like as a person who works as a tarot reader and does a lot of card reading for people you know, not all the questions, but often people will come with questions. I'll be like, huh, that's a really good question. Now I need to like, you know, I mean, see what the cards say, see what I say, see what my spirit says, you know, and, and so on. And, you know, that, that hitting the moment where, where a question emerges that, that stretches the ability to, to articulate it, but which really, for me, at least, and I think this is kind of what you're getting at, um, means to actually know it to consciously be aware of it right? right before that it's just a it's a potential that you you could trigger a synapse somewhere and pull that out right but right yeah well i think my whole uh uh i never intended to be a writer because i knew writing was hard and i'm lazy i don't want to do hard stuff but uh long about 1970 78 uh, or nine uh, because I was chartered a lodge of OTO mm -hmm. in uh, Southern California. And I thought my perceived duties as a lodge master was to have a weekly class. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, uh, you know, there'd be three people show up, four people show up as the lodge got bigger, five, six, seven and stuff. 
but I had to stay one week ahead of the class. Okay, that's because I wasn't a, I wasn't an adept at all. Okay, I'm mm -hmm. still a student too. But it was forty some years of that class, weekly class, and for uh, two years it was three, uh, uh, two nights a week. I was forced to figure out everything that that I know and everything I understood by explaining it to, to others through their in response to their questions. Mm -hmm. So uh, I got a chapter in my book, uh, Homemade Magic, I think it's called it. Uh, if you want to learn magic, teach magic. <laughs> Okay, mm -hmm. and and that's that's just uh, just uh, what I did uh, when it came time to uh, when my publisher uh, Weiser uh, wanted me to do a, a book on uh, Kabbalah or Hermetic Kabbalah. Uh, I certainly didn't feel up to that. That's mm -hmm. going to be hard. I don't want to do anything hard, mm -hmm. you know, and. Uh, so I was struck by uh, classic uh, Jewish uh, literature, uh, mystical literature, that uh, used a fictional rabbi to tell the story and to quote and stuff. And uh, uh, after many years of uh, teaching Kabbalah at my Monday night class, the classes just kept getting goofier and goofier and goofier. And I was explaining things simpler and simpler and simpler uh, through like corny jokes and setups and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. In other words, I was, I was uh, uh, shooting uh, a humorous bullet in deep into the brain <laughs> of, of the listener. And when their brain exploded, uh, they go, oh God, I get that. It's it's you know it's not more complex than I thought. It's simpler than I thought. So I decided to split myself in two and invent this fictional rabbi. Mm -hmm. After all, it's part of you There's know a precedent. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I invented this rabbi Lamed Ben Clifford to say all the outrageous things that Lon Duquette as a, as a writer would be embarrassed saying, mm -hmm. or, or at least reticent. Sure. Okay. And it was, it worked. Okay. Mm -hmm. This rabbi I invented was wiser than I could ever be. <laughs> okay. And, and I, I actually felt like, like I was a part from this, the wisdom coming out of this this rabbi, and just acting as Lon Duquette, just acting as his uh, uh, commentator or mm -hmm. you know trusted scribe or whatever. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you have you ever thought about uh, you know embodying that that approach in any of your other kind of work? You know, sum summon up uh, you know John D and write a book you know, write another chapter in your book on Enochian work or something along those lines? 
Well, you know, I did a son of chicken Kabbalah, uh, where actually the rabbi was uh, an initiatory officer uh, of a three-degree Kabbalah order. Uh, so I did that. But I haven't yet uh, uh, presumed uh, to uh, jump into John D or or uh, or anybody else. Uh, but it, it, it's something to think about. I'm uh, lately I'm I'm anxious to jump out of myself uh-huh. <laughs> and go someplace else for a while. Yeah. But anyway, I may have to incarnate to do that. Mm. But I don't know if I can incarnate it, reincarnate as a mammal. Well, it's the question, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. You could you could uh, pull that beard off on a fish, you know, brand new bearded fish species, right? You know, yeah, <laughs> with it'll with the probably, eyebrows, so you can raise the eyebrow when you're trying to communicate something. It'll probably be an insect if it's uh-huh. going to be on on this enough, planet. Yeah. yeah. So what else? What else you got coming down the line then that you're working on that you could share about? I've got uh, uh, two uh, new, pretty heroic. Uh, uh, Chinese uh, uh, lecture series uh, coming up uh, in December through March uh, that I've got to gear up, uh, gear up to, and and uh, and create uh, the tarot of ceremonial magic, my tarot deck. Mm-hmm recently got redone in uh, with another publisher uh, has already gone through uh, two complete uh, printings and uh, I'm sort of tweaking uh, that for the third third edition of that uh, coming up my book uh, homemade magic uh, which was originally published by Llewellyn is now seeing uh, a second revised edition. Uh, that's that's coming out uh, very soon. So you don't sound like a lazy person when you talk about it this way. No, but uh, just ask my wife. I'm mm-hmm. I'm a lazy slob. Uh, and what else do I? I've got. Uh, oh, I'm you know I'm constantly writing introductions to other people's. Uh, uh works and uh, i really enjoy doing that because uh uh obviously i wasn't formed in a vacuum mm-hmm. and uh i was influenced by brilliant works of others and uh i've been lucky enough to <laughs> to <laughs> when those classic works get reprinted uh, to be asked to uh to introduce and, and write uh, those books uh, and I guess my latest book book is called Allow Me to Introduce uh, from Weiser. And that was uh, uh, a collection of 35 years of my inter- introductions to other people's works, which are actually, in my opinion, my best work. Mm. Because uh, it's the best stuff I've ever written that nobody ever reads. So I put I put them right in the... It, all together in one book and that's that's been doing okay 
And what else is, oh, the, the big Llewellyn book of ceremonial magic that David Shoemaker and I edited. And, and uh, uh, I curated, uh, has won all sorts of awards and stuff like that. So that's uh, totally. this big book of ceremonial magic. As far as my musical career is going, obviously I haven't had a concert since uh, uh, the pandemic. I haven't traveled anywhere to uh, uh, set that up. My favorite club in uh, New York City after 60, 70 years, finally closed down, Cafe Vivaldi, broke my heart. Uh, but up here in Sacramento, there's a little bookstore called the East Village Bookshop. And I'm going to do a talk on tarot. Nice. Uh, in December there. And uh, when they started Googling around, they discovered that I, I was a songwriter too. And so I'm going to have to play a couple songs there. But that, that's been my only public appearances. Uh, tarot and music, two things that go great together. Yeah, tarot music and magic. Mm -hmm. so, uh, so that's happening. Uh, otherwise, we're having a great deal of trouble uh, with our new uh, home here in Sacramento. Uh, it's uh, not making us happy. Mm, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, it, it might have been that way most any place we would have moved after being used to the same place for 22 years, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, there's a lot of stresses where that's concerned. But uh, we're trying to make the best of it. Mm -hmm. Well, I hope they smooth out and you find your way through them swiftly. Oh, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Well, we're kind of at the end of our time here, even though I could continue to chat with you indefinitely. Um, but where where you're on Facebook, is are there other places that people should come and check you out as well? I'll put the links in the show notes. But okay, uh, my Facebook page is the closest thing I've got to a a, a blog. Mm -hmm. okay. And uh, ever since the pandemic, so we're pushing almost two years now. Uh, every morning at 10 o'clock, I do a live reading or a live babble, mm -hmm. whatever. I appear live <laughs> every day on, on Facebook at 10, 10 o'clock, and they stay on Facebook forever, and, and somebody actually puts them on YouTube. Mm -hmm. So I've read uh, section by section every book I've ever written Lovely. On, on, on Facebook. And uh, uh, so people might get a kick out of, uh, out of tuning in on that. And, uh, you know, and I put stuff up uh, four or five times a day on, on Facebook uh, because it's my way of trying to connect with an, with, uh, with an audience. Mm -hmm. And uh, but otherwise, all my books are on uh, you know, Barnes and Noble and Amazon, and sure. just just Google Lon Milo Duquette, 
Yep. I carry I carry all the ones that are in print at my shop here in Toronto, pretty much. So oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, now uh, a few of my books have gone into uh uh you know several editions. And if uh if the your uh fire people listening here uh happen to go to Amazon and see a book for sale uh for seven hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Google around a little more. The new editions, you know, sell for twelve dollars. You know, sure, yeah, yeah. They're, they're pretty much everything's in print, so you don't need to drop, you know, your yeah. your month's rent to to get the Magic of Thelema. You can get the the newer and retitled. What's it called? The Magic of Aleister Crowley. Is the yeah, right, yeah, exactly, right. Yeah, so mm-hmm. so yeah. Unless you're a book collector, okay. Yes, but even so, I don't get any of that seven hundred. <laughs> right yeah. i don't get any of that so don't think you're doing me a favor I... and, and that is good advice for anybody you know as somebody who uh you know resells secondhand books and rare books sometimes and stuff like that you know amazon amazon high-end amazon prices are are always ridiculous yeah and even then like even books that are sort of like maybe sold for 20 bucks and are now like 40 50 bucks even then you can usually find them for for about 40 to 50 percent of that if you dig around a little bit so yeah but ultimately if you've got a local bookstore even if the local bookstore isn't doesn't specialize in occult stuff if you got a local bookstore and you want to buy even one of my books or a magic book whatever go to your local bookstore and order it from them Mm-hmm. you might pay a couple bucks more or you might have to wait a week or two for it and you might have to wait a week or two but it's so much more important you're making such a bigger contribution to literature and to to uh, art form and to intelligence <laughs> period to try to get it from your local bookstore so mm-hmm. absolutely all right. Well, thanks for making the time today, Lon. It's been been lovely to catch up. Hopefully it won't be 10 years before we get to talk again. I'll see you in 10 years. <laughs> see you in 2020, 2031. Oh, God. Yeah. Those numbers get hard to think about sometimes, you know? Maybe we better wait just five years. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> All right. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks so much. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. folks that is episode 126 in the bank uh i want to again thank everybody for uh listening in and enjoying stuff on this journey you know it's kind of astounding it's like a quarter million downloads or something like that it's just kind of bonkers um so yeah big heartfelt thanks uh please uh follow me on instagram uh or jump even better jump on my newsletter uh, you know, there's new stuff coming at some point. And uh, as always, uh, if you would like help or support on your spiritual journey, I am available uh, through the website. And if you're looking for spiritual goods, including books and all sorts of other things like tarot and crystals, I've got it all at my store and we are shipping pretty much anywhere on the planet. All right. Much love. We'll catch you on whatever's next.